Hi, my name's Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Kim, and I am married to an addict alcoholic. <laughs> Hi, Kim. Um, okay, so the today's episode, um, I there's no letter. Um, there isn't? No letter. Some family members, um, it's just hard to do, and um, others, you know, real life stuff going on with all the covid um shenanigans um there was uh, a question um from somebody which was do i think that i'll do stand up again like after all of this because of the environment that most stand-up places are in yeah and i have no idea it's i literally can't imagine it right now because everything's so crazy um, like even once the, like the, what's it called? The stay at home. The stay. Yeah. Stay at home order. There's, there's just still not going to be able to congregate like that, that, and everybody's going to be freaked out. Like once this is all lifted, you can't just go and then everything's normal. It's just, you st- there's still going to be a shit ton of precautions. There's still going to be, so that's maybe seven months down the line yeah you know so i i'm not worried about it but i could i could see it happening i have some stuff i'd like to say for sure but um pretty pretty far from from my mind i actually have a question for you before we we do the call thing um when i was in treatment did you did you pray at all no you never do any stuff like that no, no, I didn't. So what things like br- brought you comfort when I wasn't home? I I don't know. I was just so busy with the kids and with work that I guess I didn't think a whole lot. And like when you would have your aha moments, I guess that's what brought me comfort. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I mean, I know like when I was when I was in, I would have... You do, you get distracted, but then you have a half an hour for sure where literally nothing is happening. And then your mind goes, uh, I'm a full grown adult in, a sharing a room with two other full grown adults. And you start to like realize how weird everything is. Yeah. So like when you would have, mo- did you have moments like that? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, no, I know what you're trying to say. I guess I had moments where I was home alone. I don't know. No, I don't even remember last time I actually prayed. But I just... Well, it doesn't have to be No, but just what brought me comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, how would you get out of that headspace? I don't know. watched a lot of streaming, TV, stuff like that. Just kept my mind busy cleaning. I cleaned a lot. Mm. Yeah. So it was all... And then just talked to you on Facebook when I could. It was stuff like that. I don't know. I guess that brought me comfort. Working. And the kids, yeah, they keep you busy. So that kind of stuff. I wish I had a better answer. Like, oh, I did this and it was enlightening. No, I just. something worked, that's that's fine. Yeah. I think it was just getting back to my normal routine is what brought me comfort. Because, you know, just keep keep doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I it was. I think it was harder when you were in the hospital, and I'd have those moments alone. That's oh. when I would cry and have these breakdowns and.
be sad, but it was because I didn't. Oh, because treatment was the like the healing process yes. out of the hospital. So it's a little different feeling than when I was. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, because when you were in the hospital, there was unknown of when you were going to get to treatment. If you were going to go to treatment, what when you were going to get out of the hospital, how you were doing in the hospital. Whereas when you got to treatment, then it, I guess I had moments where I worried that you weren't going to get anything out of it because of the religion thing. Sure. And so then I'd have those moments where I'd be like, well, we'll kind of wait and see. And it was counting down days when we get to visit you too. That kind of got me through too. Okay. Mm. All right. It's almost Wednesday. It's almost Sunday. Stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Like the hospital aspect of it. So like you worked at um, a youth and adolescence facility. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were familiar with kind of the way that like the people that I was dealing with when I was in there. Yeah. So we don't, we haven't talked a whole lot about kind of what that environment is really like. It's very, it's, it's like, um, man, it's, if you've ever been, uh, in the ER, um, imagine that like you, or like if you've ever like urgent care, like, that little nurse pit, you know what I mean? Like when you're in the, in the back there. Yeah. And I'm saying this for other, for people listening that like, that's where you live until you leave is something that looks just like that. And how people are constantly checking on you. It's that same vibe where everything feels like very strange and small and the longer you're in there, the more you can kind of feel like um, the more you think is wrong with you, mm. I would say. Because like now at the hospital, you don't go on that floor like at all, do you? What do you mean? The mental health unit? Yeah. I mean, we can. I bring pay. I don't work down there, but um, if I, you know, admit a patient, I can bring them down. But, but not very often? No, no. The first time I went in there, what was it like? Because I, I remember when you would um, ask me if they had asked me something yet. Okay. Like, were you, do you, did you have thoughts with either time, like of wishing that you could have my case and like be making sure that people were asking no. XYZ or anything like Mm-mm. that? No. Because, I mean, the first time you went in there, I didn't work um, there, you know, at the hospital. Second right. time around, I know the unit and know the people that work on the unit, and I trust their judgment. Like, the provider that was working when you were there, I trust him. I trust the people that were working with you, kind of a thing. So I felt comfortable that they'd be doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so interesting, like, like if you work at a restaurant and your friends come in and you're their waiter, like, yeah, you, you kind of like, it feels like they do something a little different or a little extra for you because they know you, you know what I mean? Mm. So I wondered, I don't know if that's the case. No, I just didn't know. I didn't know. Oh no, no, no. I just felt, I, I guess I didn't have any worries because I was, I 
know the people that work down there and I knew that they would do a good job with you. Not they would they would favor you at all. No. Yeah. No. But I think that that's just it's a good um treatment team down there. So yeah. yeah. it's very eye opening and on our other podcast, um or I guess this is all the same thing, but in our usual episodes we've talked about talked about it before, but like this time when I went in, there was a, a big uh, eye-opening. I had no idea how many floating nurses there were in the hospital in general. And definitely not, I had no idea how many of them made up the team that are on that mental health unit. Do you, can you explain what a, a floating nurse is? Oh, there's just nurses in the hospital that are float nurses that they float to specific units. They kind of pick what units they want to float around to. They kind of fill in. So if there's not, you know, if there's not enough people working for whatever shift or whatever, then they kind of fill in in different areas in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, so you could have somebody and that, what is it? There's a 12 job minimum. So like you have a, a, like a checklist of areas that you'd like to work in. You mark those off and you have to have, I want to say it was like 12 at least 12 picked and then you can have up to 20 Mm. where they will send you. So when you get your schedule, um, is it every week? I have no idea. Like my, I have a completely different role. Oh, so it mine's so, uh, yeah, but yeah. So they each week could be doing three or four different jobs and units. And within that shift, they might go to another unit um, or another area of the hospital while they're working. So like when it comes to the, the mental health side of things, those people are doing their best, but they're also, there's a good possibility that they're not there that often. Yeah. Yeah. And things change a lot throughout, well, especially now, but all the time throughout the hospital. Yeah. So yeah. super interesting. And the only reason I bring that up is like in treatment, if you have any other, or in recovery, I should say, if you have any other underlying health issues, it's tough to focus on your recovery when you're also dealing with other like new medications and and every nurse had a different opinion on about when you should take those medications. <laughs> and it's seriously, I would, you know, that's crazy to me. But. So many different nurses and all of them thought that the last nurse or whoever you talk to they were, it was always like, I've never heard of that. So it's, yeah, it just goes to show like, so in recovery, um, trying to figure out how to like knowing that there were so many floating nurses when I got to the treatment facility made things easier for like when they would, when I would have issues with medications and, and other like health related stuff, I would just be like, you know what? this is it's everywhere there's just a need for those types of yeah yeah, there's a need for nurses in mental health there's a need for for them in treatment facilities like so like trying to have a what's the the word i'm looking for um empathy towards the fact that it's not that they want to make your life difficult and you know you don't want to make their life difficult but that's they think that this everything that they're doing for you is life or death 
mm-hmm. potentially life or death, potentially their job. So they're doing things in a specific way. So don't try not to take anything personal when it comes to, to staff, especially early on in your recovery. Um, Cause I, there were two people that left because of like health stuff really that they, yeah, that they felt they weren't having their needs met. Oh. Yeah. So it's like really, really real. And if you have like a major underlying issue, then yeah, I mean, do what you got to do, but yeah. don't let it get in the way of recovery. Cause if you leave before you're supposed to, because you, you know, get frustrated with something, um, that can, you're going to end up back there or back in the hospital. Yeah. So, yeah. I wanted to say that. Also, thank you for working during these absolutely crazy, crazy times. Um, I love my job. I, love I do love my job. I I'm also just happy. love your job. I'm happy I have a job. The end. <laughs> um... I don't know how long we're going to do the live thing for. I know. You know, if anyone comments, we can't even. Oh, read yeah. It. I forgot to. Sorry. That's really crap. We are. We are doing live stuff and I have forgotten to, to look at the, uh, the, feed. the comments here. I'm going to do that right now. And nothing. <laughs> so we're doing OK so far. Um, did a lot of people in your treatment, were they in the hospital before they got to treatment? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. For alcohol withdrawals, stuff like that? For withdrawals, seizures, mm-hmm. um, dehydration mm-hmm. was another common one. Um, a lot of people would have like, the only way I can think of describing it is like have manic episodes, um, where, yeah, they just like were, well, you know, like how I was being like extra agitated and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There were people that were like that, but like 10 times as bad. And um, so people would call the police and have them hospitalized uh, because they were acting erratic or mm. whatever. So, yeah, a lot of people that were in the hospital first. And, and then, then went to German. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I wouldn't think that, but... Um. Well, and while and actually while I call this individual, um, I can uh, I can still be able to check comments and stuff. So we'll we'll do that. Um, did I already say there's no letter this week? You did. I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm gonna write a letter because my le- I feel like me speaking on the podcast is kind of my letter. I th- the thing that I think of is is there one thing that um we've gone over it and so you kind of say that in your head where it's resolved but not resolved like there's things that we've it's it's tough to dissect like all of the things that have happened yeah and to remember that you even felt a certain way about a situation and then you know however long down the road to be like oh i never really talked about this thing you know what i mean like yeah, so yeah. if there's anything like that i would say that's a a good thing to do okay um so do i have to put my headphones on you gotta put your headphones on now we gotta look cool 
Um, so we we have our first call in um, this this week, and um, I don't know if it's my own hair touching the mic, but I think so. Yeah. Okay. Usually is. Yeah. No. Um. So I did yeah. Pull a beard. One of your beard hairs out last week. So. I mean, it was a dog hair. It was a beard hair. I mean, you say that, but really. Sorry. It's dog hair. I almost FaceTimed. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Technology, man. That's so cool. And then he can hear us through the microphone. That's cool. Maybe. Is he going to answer? He should. Probably even sleeping. No. Your call has been forwarded. Oh, Weird. This is a bust. I knew I was going to call. Maybe he's pooping. Um, well, we'll wait on that. Okay. Um, I think, um, yeah, once all of the, the COVID stuff is done, I haven't really thought about, this has been, doing this has been so helpful for me. Yeah. Do you think you'll go to meetings? Yeah, I th- I do think that I am gonna have to do it. It's easy to avoid now, yeah. and and like I said, well, you because the only way to do it is online, and they have certain yeah. times, and and yeah, I can make excuses forever, but oh, oh, there we go. Hello, hello, hey, how's it going, man? Good, good. How you doing, man? I'm excited to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what um, what what how have you seen addiction like either affect you personally or like have you battled with this stuff? What's your story, good sir? Oh, hmm. That is a good question. Um, I could uh, pick a lot of different areas to start. Um, like early life or recently or I would say like so first off have you personally had to like overcome any type of addictions what's that I would I would say first have you personally had to deal with any type of addiction Uh, yes I have I've struggled with alcohol uh, numerous times in my life I've also struggled with it, struggled with a gambling addiction several different times. Um, and so like the alcohol started when I was probably, you know, 16 in high school and I was just extremely shy. I used to eat lunch in the library by myself because I was so, I had so much shyness and fear of talking or uh, somebody calling me out on whatever. I don't even know what I was scared of. (laughs) So I had some friends that were, you know, uh, weren't a part of the church, which is a huge uh, part of the community that I grew up in. And so I would hang out with them and they would think it would be funny, you know, to this uh, Mormon boy 
you know, if they hadn't done anything, it was, hadn't done anything, they would, um, you know, have beer at their dad's house and they'd be like, here, take a sip of this beer, you know? And I did a couple times. And then when I was 16, I was, I think it was the first time that I, you know, got drunk. And I remember we went to a basketball game, a high school basketball game. And it was just like, I felt like I had come out of my shell and I was talking to people I'd never talked to before. And it was like this thing that I was in, but I really wasn't, I was just, you know, drinking and it had turned into this whole thing. And so, and then it, it turned into, you know, people that were in my school would go to parties and they would, uh, you know, be hanging out and we'd be drinking and having a good time. And like, you know, popular people are more popular and, and, um, involved in different, uh, sports and activities and stuff. And then at school, they wouldn't, you know, they'd be like, yeah, I don't know who you are, dude. I wasn't at that party. I'd never, you know, I'd never associated. With so it was like this whole psychological thing, like, what you know we hung out or we did this at this experience you know at a party and you're acting like that never happened wow like what's that all about you know and i didn't i wasn't like trying to hide it i mean for my parents obviously but from other people i didn't really care i didn't you know then my my sister would be like i have a reputation and you know you're getting a reputation for someone who parties and I don't care if I have a reputation my reputation before was the shy kid that sat in the library and read books during lunch you know and I had a couple friends so I don't really care and it was just like psychologically and then and then the first time that I knew that it was an issue we were up in the foothills and we were all, you know, just drinking and, and hanging out and stuff. And and there was a pool right by our house, just through this huge field. There's a, a local uh, swimming pool. And we decided that we were going to, you know, break into it over, you know, in the middle of the night. And so we went to the pool and we were able to climb up over the, you know, those, you know, how the, the municipal pools have that the uh, center block ledge. Oh, yeah. You can kind of climb up, and then you, and it's just a flat roof. So it was pretty easy. We just jumped over and went swimming, and there was like ten or fifteen of us. And you know, we swam and you know, drank some more. And at the end of the night, we're we we're done swimming, so we're climbing back over. And I'm the last one over, and my foot slips off the ledge. And I fall uh, probably, I don't know, nine or 10 feet onto the concrete. And I just hear something snap. And I just get up, you know, because you're drunk. You don't really know how serious you're injured. Yeah. So I start walking and I'm limping and, and uh, you know, get to my friend's car. And, and then I'm starting to, like, kind of pass out a little bit and we go to this gas station and I get out and I'm sitting in the curb outside of the gas station. I take my shoe off and 
the clerk comes out and he's like, dude, I can see the bone protruding out of your foot. You need to go to the hospital. (laughs) So I was like, Whoa. Okay. And, uh, they took me to the hospital. So I broke my foot and it was, you know, the middle of the night. And one of the, I remember one of the nurses asking if I'd had anything to drink. You know, I was underage, so one of my friends was shaking his head, and the other one's nodding his head, you know. And they didn't care. They were just trying to treat me, you know. It wasn't like they were going to call the cops and come pick me up from the hospital. So then, uh, and I was living at my parents' house at the time still. And so then I think I hadn't been home for like a week and a half. I'd just been on a a binge or, you know, partying for sleeping on friend's couch, staying at friend's house for like a week and a half. <clears throat> and then I was going to leave to the summer city to go to this newspaper gig. I go home, you know, to my parents' house that morning. And my dad is like furious with me. They knew I'd been out of partying. They were not happy with me. So I'm on, you know, I have crutches. And he's like, we're going to take you, uh, I'm going to take you to, uh, go get a drug test. And I'm like, well, it's a waste of your time. I'll tell you it's not going to be clean. Like I smoke weed and stuff, you know? So what do you, what do you need to go pay someone to give me a drug test for? And he was just pissed, you know, the whole time was just telling me how, you know, messing up my life and all this crap. And I'd broken my foot. I didn't have health insurance. You know? So from that point, fast forward to, Let's see, to the time I was 22, it's all just a blur. I worked and I partied and I worked and partied and that was pretty much my life. And can I ask, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. So like while you're, you know, you're, you're doing this stuff, you said you were 21, 22? Yeah. Or up until, okay. From, so like when I was 19 till 22, yeah. Okay. So were you, did you still like talk to your brother and sister quite a bit? No, my sister wasn't in the picture at all at that point. Okay. What about your brother? Yeah. I talked to my younger brother and, uh, yeah, he, he, he watched all this go down, you know, and my older brother was, was, you know, doing his old thing, his own, own thing. And, um, doing various things. So we weren't all close at that point. My sister had, you know, quit talking to my parents, you know, from the time we were 18 because they had a whole falling out, um, on both sides. So I think she, she might've been living in another state at that time. So like while all of this is going on, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Right. Okay. My younger brother, you know, was in high school and I, I feel like I was not, you know, I was, I was a terrible example. Did you ever, t- did you ever take him out partying? Like while he was in high school? A few times. Yeah. I think I, you know, provided it for him for sure. Because my older brother was, you know, quite a bit older and he, he was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, like he would have punched me in the face if I would right. asked him for that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to be the cool brother. I'm going to, little as I know, you know, 
that's the worst time to introduce somebody, you know? And I was very ill equipped to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you this beer, but you got it. You can't drive. You can't do this. There's all these different risks involved. I was just like, just don't tell anyone it was me. Right. You know? Well, and you kind of think when you do that stuff, like, he's going to learn the way that I learned. Like you got to, you know, everybody learns in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember that kind of feeling like with my, my younger brothers as well. So I, I get that. Yeah. You, you don't want anybody to know that, that you're doing it, but you know, they're going to do it anyways, whether it's from you or somebody else. Like I gotcha. But you know, what we don't realize is that, you know, when you're that young, your, your brain is not fully developed into an adult brain. Like there's still a lot of things happening and that sets a foundation for addiction. For sure. Because like for me, it was, you know, it was to try to be social and be outgoing and, and, you know, and suppress the feelings of anxiety. And I wasn't good enough at this or I wasn't, you know, I was a loser or a loner, but with alcohol, I was like, you know, this party, party boy, you know, like it was fun. And I was, you know, everyone liked being around me when I was drinking because I would do crazy stuff. And, and, uh, you have this feeling of, you know, everyone's, everyone's kind of drunk. So you don't really, there's no boundaries and no, uh, social status is really yeah. so well yeah and your brain logs that any so any positive experience your brain logs it and thinks that mm-hmm. it needs that positive experience to survive so it, it, it yeah the, how, however it transpires or like manifests is the word I'm looking for however it manifests itself which is to say I'm more sociable which makes me feel more comfortable which makes me feel a part of something you know, there's a tribal factor to it. Like there's all of these things that we don't know that are like lying within us that Mm -hmm. it will, it'll latch on to shit just because it's our whole, I mean, I could go on and on about that shit. Like how unnatural (laughs) we are as creatures on this earth so that our brain has no idea what it's, what we're, we're doing to it half of the time. What we're we're doing, is is building map experiences and, oh. and sensations, and you know, and then when we become adults, all we have is this map that we've unconsciously developed in our brain. Right. And we're following that to a T. Like this is how we're going to get to here. We can go any other direction because we already know this direction. For sure. So. All right, now back to um, where you were dating this girl at the time, did you say? Yes, and uh, the the night this transpired, I had another friend that lived in that same city, and I was friends with her cousin, too, and and uh, fight with being in the Oh, sorry, dude, you're breaking up. Uh, how, about, how about now? Now you're good. Okay. Sorry, I'm in uh, Athol, Idaho. <laughs> oh, is that where they make moonshine? Yep, it is. I thought so. 
Discovery Channel films here every week. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I ended up uh, that night getting in a fight <clears throat> with her argument, if you will. And um, it was New Year's Eve. And I'm like, I'm going to go party. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to go party. So I went and met up with these people. And we went to their house, and they had a bunch of people over for this New Year's Eve party. Some dude stood up from some small town, that, and nobody knew anyone, any of them. There were like four of them. And ended up being this big fight, and the cops got called, and it was just this whole big deal. And um, so that after that all transpired, I woke up probably five or six in the morning and went back to her house and you know we you know talked about it made up and stuff and i so you're saying that you were like not going to do this anymore like you were trying to figure out whether you were going to continue to drink as much as you were drinking no or am i I misunderstanding i'm sorry i was i was thinking i was going to go a different direction than with this person, you know, dating this person. And, um, and I did over the phone because we lived in separate areas. And then I realized, um, or then two weeks later, I got a phone call and, um, that we were expecting a child and I was going to stop drinking. I was going to stop partying and I was just going to be, you know, the best that I could. And, um, that didn't it didn't happen that way how so like did you try quitting cold turkey or were you just like yeah, I'm gonna yeah, die I back quit. i quit i quit for you know a few months and then you know she's expecting we realized it wasn't gonna work out i broke up got in a relationship somebody who was seven years older than me and we moved in together and then uh um I was just, I would get to this point, um, where I would drink and my, all my insecurities would come out. I would accuse people of stuff that, you know, they weren't doing. I would just make up this scenario in my head that you're cheating on me. I know you're talking to this person, you know, I can't believe you're doing that. And it was, you know, insecurity that I had developed in my early teen years that, never got dealt with it never uh it it was just kind of in the back of my mind and then when i would drink alcohol it would just come out like a reckoning you know of insecurity that i could not suppress i could not filter and all i would you know i would make accusations and just live in this world of everyone's out to get me and you are you know going behind my back and doing all this stuff so and this is all before your first child was born you're saying right right so had you had uh, did you move in with this this lady yeah yep okay sorry i missed that part um so what like how would you so would you get into arguments how would you get away or would you guys just scream at each other until it ended or well, I don't, we wouldn't really scream. It was more I would be getting at because I was making these 
unfounded accusations that I would just make up in my mind. And then one person would go sleep somewhere else. And then the next day, you know, I would apologize. And it was just a vicious cycle that happened over and over. Okay, I see. Until, until you create that situation. So, um, one, so one night she didn't come home and I found out she was at a bar. I went to the bar and she was with some guy kissing on him, uh, that she'd met at work. Um, that was, he was from out of town and he came into the restaurant or whatever. So she met him. And so she was like, had made up in my mind. It had manifested because I pushed her away. Sure. And then, uh, you know, and I moved, I moved out and she apologized and then we got back together and I came back and then, and then she was an ex, uh, ex, uh, addict with like, you know, hardcore drugs. And I found out that she was using again. I was just, you know, at that point, couldn't even believe that I was hanging out with someone I knew nothing about, you know? Oh, and, I see. And I could have, I could have pushed her back into that because of all of my insecurities and how much of a mess I was. And I did you, did you, know, you think about that in that moment? Like, I know looking back on it now, you can kind of dissect that stuff, but were you thinking that at all once you found out that she was using that, that you had pushed her to that point? No. So it was all just external, like, thus I'm living with a stranger type of, of feeling. Right. Okay. And I never, that thought never crossed my mind that I was, you know, I and I'm not saying that that's factor. what I, what I think happened. I'm, I'm just trying to get into your head spaces to where like, when, when you say hard, hard drugs in your, career of using uh i I say using like in terms of of anything so like drinking or whatever did you Mm -hmm. jump into to hardcore drugs at all later on in life wouldn't say later on in life i would say in in that time period i did but i didn't fully immerse myself it was more experimentation did you ever have like a, a rock bottom moment or like, like, do you have, oh, like, man. do you drink now and it's not a problem or? I made a habit being on rock bottom. I mean, I would climb out and then I would just dive head first right down to the bottom again. Mm. Um, I, I mean, so I had a, a rock bottom when I was, you know, 19, I think. It was even after I broke my foot and um, it healed up. It was months later and I was drinking with some friends and they had, they were working for a construction company in their house, probably in their uh, 20s. And they had a shop and so we all went there and and uh, I thought that I was quite the, uh, party animal that I could just chug hard liquor and, you know, and not throw up and things like that. And I remember one of their coworkers was, you know, daring me to chug some Yukon Jack. And 
I'm like, yeah, and we'd, we'd already been drinking, you know, numerous beers and taking shots. And so the next thing I know, I wake up in this room. And as I start to wake up, I feel just absolute like I got hit by a train. Not just like hungover, but like I could barely like get up and walk. Like it felt like I'd broken my hip. Oh, okay. And and I felt my face was felt like a a balloon and I had uh you know walked and found a bathroom and I still didn't know where I was. And I look in the mirror and the whole I don't know if it was the left side or the right side, it was just covered in road rash and my face was just swollen. I was like unrecognizable. And then uh I realized where I was. I was at, you know, one of my best friends' uh, girlfriend's parents' house, and they they had woken up and they're like, you know, we're so glad you're okay, and just talking to me. And then they had to fill me in on what happened because I had no idea how it ended up like that. And the road rash extended all the way down the one side of my body all the way down to like past my thigh. Like, like I was in pretty bad shape. And apparently I had, after we'd been, you know, chugging this liquor, Uh we went outside and I just like took off running down the street. Like just, I don't know, just took off running down the street. And one of my buddies came and like, he was like trying to stop me because he didn't know where I was going and like tackled me in the road, like full on just tackled me in the road. Jesus. And that ignited a fury in me that I, you know, I, I started punching him and, and then, you know, their coworkers came out and I started trying to fight them. And I was just in such a rage so was the the road rash from that guy tackling you? No, it was from that, but it was from they were all trying to calm me down, but I was trying to fight him and throwing punches. So they basically had to beat the shit out of me <laughs> beyond recognition to get me to stop. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so so on top of that guy tackling you, so you'd taken a lot of hits. And yeah. I, I see. Okay. I don't, I still, to this day, do not remember any of this. So, but you, you and, but you drank after that, didn't you? Uh, that night or yeah. in general? Uh, no, no, they, they called my buddy up and they're like, you gotta come pick him up. You know, he's in bad shape. This is what happened. So they loaded me up in the back of this truck Drove me over to her sister's house, who was a nurse, and then she was like, you got to take him to the hospital. You know, like he's, um, has alcohol poisoning, but he also, you know, have head injuries and things like that. There was a decision made not to take me to the hospital. Like, I very well, I very well could have died that night, you know, like. You had to have had a concussion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
and from that point, I'm like, I'm never drinking alcohol again. Like, this is not, this is it, you know. And I remember going in, and we had to do, like, a an alcohol training class. And I remember just seeing the bottles of liquor just gave me a headache. I wanted to puke. Like, everything came rushing back. I didn't even want to look at it, you know. Seeing commercials on TV with people drinking, it was, I was like, no, this is it. And I'm, that lasted for like four months, I think, three or four months that I quit, and then I, and then I uh, started drinking again, you know, just you know, socially and stuff like that. So where are you at now? Like, do you feel like you have a con- like a handle on on drinking, or are you just done with it? So six years ago, I moved up to be closer to my fiance and my daughter. And they had, um, they had moved up here. Um, that was the end of my, where I would just go and go to a bar with buddies and just get hammered and, you know, kind of party. And that was the end of that. So there's been different phases in my problem with, with drinking where completely irresponsible to completely irresponsible to, you know, I'm always aware that I can go back and flip the switch. Like, you know how people say that they have an alter ego that comes out when they drink. Yeah. And then I feel, I feel like I'm always conscious of that fact. Well, that's what people talk about alcohol, having an allergy to it is that is having an allergy is just having an adverse reaction to something introduced to Mm -hmm. your, to your system. So there are, so it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's much simpler than some people think, um, as to why they talk differently or do these different things. Um, and why there's a personality change like that Jacqueline Hyde kind of thing. Um, yeah, you're just having what could be classified as an allergic reaction in the way that it manifests is agitation, uh, irritability and, and all of those things. Um, which make you look like an asshole when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people say they're just, they're an angry drunk or this or that. Your body just processes it that way. Right. Right. See, so, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, and in my family, I mean, I have family members that I've, you know, made, did different things that were small in comparison, you know? Sure. And, and the only reason is because I was lucky. Something that they say in treatment, like when it comes to, um, those stories, like when somebody would say, um, like the things that I went through weren't quite as much as what you went through, but the way that we word it is I hadn't had that happen to me yet. Right. So it was all, right. everything's on the precipice of it can happen if you continue oh, yeah. down it, that road of, of exactly. Using. I've never been in treatment. Um, like I've never I've gone to AA meetings with friends that were, you know, required to go, and I was there mm-hmm. to help support them and things like that. So it do, it doesn't seem like you would consider yourself an alcoholic then. No, I would I would consider myself an alcoholic because I've shown all the tendencies of it 
I wouldn't, um, so, I wouldn't consider. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't drink regularly. Like it's sometimes maybe, you know, once every three weeks, sometimes once a month, you know, but in the, in the sense of the word, yeah, I, you know, I would say I'm a recovering alcoholic. No, I'm, I don't completely, you know, not drink. Um, but does that make sense? Yeah. It just, it makes me think of, um, there's a lot from, from what I've gathered, because an underlying thing when I was in treatment was that um, I I was I I think the the pers- like the the winning rate for people in recovery is something like uh two like two percent <laughs> yeah like when they get out of treatment like this mm-hmm. shit destroys a lot of people so the people that were in that facility it was their second time fourth time i met a guy who who was his ninth time in treatment um had died twice and like so there was all of these things that like the older folks that were there would always say and things went pretty good for a while i had it so that i was only drinking maybe once or twice a month there was mm-hmm. one guy who had kicked it for years and then he retired and just out of sheer boredom there's nothing else to do but you know drive his his four-wheeler around and drink and set up deer stands and and just without even thinking about it ended up um letting it get completely out of control again. So it's like, it's this thing of like, if you think that you are, what, what would, what would keep you from just stopping period? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really enjoy drinking anymore. Like I don't enjoy, you know, I like sipping on a bourbon or a whiskey because I like the taste um, not because I like the feeling of, uh, of getting drunk and then the next day feeling, you know, terrible because you had, you know, three beers and a whiskey shot. Like, I don't like, I don't enjoy drinking in that sense of the word, um, because it makes you feel, you know, I, I like to, you know, have a beer, um, like I could buy, I could buy a six pack and then two weeks later, I'll still have like three beers left. I I would think like, um, just in terms of, I think knowing if you know yourself, right. And you know that, um, there are, are these random it, the, the if the conditions are just right that you can end up doing something that you regret because like knowing yourself is is one thing but once you introduce those substances um 
you can always kind of like hope that you would know like, oh man, I can't believe I, I let myself drink this much again. I need to make sure that I don't the next time. You, yeah. you might not have that opportunity though. You might be at a neighbor's and there's just, everything feels perfect and nobody's angry, nobody's anything. Um, but you end up drinking to a point that flips that switch again to where you associate well, it with such a happy thing that you, you get what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm not trying no, to like no, preach no, at I, you or I, anything. No, no. I, and I know exactly. I, I get 100% what you're saying. And so to counter that, I don't put myself in, in those situations at all. Um, where the conditions could be right. That if I, go over, you know, a certain threshold that I can make a decision that could, you know, affect me and my family. I don't put myself in those, in those situations at all. And so, um, that's my, um, number one thing is I've put myself in those situations so many times. And when I was younger, um, and, you know, throughout my adult life that I can, I, I don't, um, I don't do that. Like, I don't, I get what you're saying. Like you're, you're trying to where you keep yourself away from the things that would allow you to relax and, and let your guard down. Right. I gotcha. Okay. Um, well, dude, I, I, I love hearing your stories from the last time that you, we talked to you. You know, I, I don't know if that was for sure a year ago, but <laughs> I still think about, <laughs> I still think about that sometimes like your firefighting stories. And um, I thank you so much for, for talking to us again this time. And um, uh, I, I, I spoke with, um, I spoke with uh, the person that you told me to talk to, uh, yesterday mm-hmm. and they opened up a shit ton and there's there's a lot of stuff that like I would love to talk to them about too so hopefully we can we can get them on here at some point to to kind of hash that shit out but um again thank you for calling in dude and and uh I love yeah, you yeah and I and I and I appreciate I appreciate your your insight and you know, I take all that to heart, you know, and I'm, I, uh, um, I love you, man. And I, I know it's, um, it's hard to keep in contact all the time. We all have lives and stuff, but I, I look forward to keeping in constant contact and, you know, I'll, uh, check on, check in on you and, text you and yeah i'll, I'll and text you with what with uh with what because we had kind of set up a plan we're gonna create like a group text to to keep check on each other so i'll oh, okay i'll talk to them about that too getting you in on that so we yeah, can do that for great. each other all, all right. right we'll talk to you soon man all right take care man all right peace all right. Bye. we can take the headphones off now okay my ears start to hurt yeah I ended the live feed because I was like, oh, shit, no one can hear the phone call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why. So I apologized, people, for that. But uh, 
That's why I stopped that. <laughs> um, not exactly where I thought that conversation was going to go. Yeah. But um, there's a lot that that individual has been through. And I know, like, it's hard because I, I want people to, to speak their truth and, and all of that all of that stuff. Um, but I hope it's clear that like, I don't think that there, if you think you're an alcoholic, I don't think that there is a healthy drinking pattern afterwards. If once you've told yourself that, that I, I am an alcoholic, it's just, this is my opinion. I, I, if, if he's able to get it under control and like, Everything's fine until the day he dies. Fucking awesome. Good for them. Any way that you can make it through this life without negative experience, awesome. But once you've admitted that you have an addiction problem, I think that you should stop. Like, that's just it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is isn't when he was talking about being younger and drinking to fit in and to socialize. That was yeah, that was say, so was... me. And still even as an adult I would feel like I had to drink to be social because I'm so shy and nervous. I don't know what it is. For sure. And so it'll be interesting, you know, when we start socializing with people again after everything like maybe that's when I'll start having those cravings. Cause right now we're so sheltered and trying to come out of my bubble and feeling like, well, people aren't going to re- like the real me. Well, who is the real you? Like alcohol doesn't make you. Yeah. So having to realize, you know what? Alcohol doesn't make you. I can have conversations with people all day sober, you know? Yeah. So it's just, it'll be interesting. I think too i'm what i've been thinking about a lot lately is what's gonna you know once we're all able to socialize with people and hang out with people who are still going to be our people like i think about that a lot because there have been periods where we've quit drinking as a couple and people don't hang out with us as much or invite us to things because they have this i don't know if they're afraid or yeah i well i was thinking about that because we have um somebody that has has been at functions that doesn't drink Mm -hmm. and i remember feeling like you can't help it like you just you almost don't know what to talk about yeah you want to address the fact that they don't drink for some reason i know i don't understand in my head i do that yeah i think the same thing i did that all the fucking time Um, and which we know why that person doesn't drink is because they had a problem and (laughs) issues happen very people say um you're either an alcoholic or pregnant is the only time that you don't drink. Yeah. Which sucks because I actually, I know a lot of people who just don't drink. Yeah. they And yeah. it sucks that they have to come up with some kind of excuse as to why they don't do it. But um, yeah, I, it's such a strange thing to, to think that for some reason you have to <laughs> address that when really you doesn't need to be spoken on at all. Yeah. Just, I don't, I just don't drink. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, Maybe we t- talk about that because there's a lot of that stuff I'm going to cut out. Okay. <laughs> Just so, so how- people are aware if that if it seems a little choppy at certain points. Yeah. Um. So I wonder what, you know, if somebody, so if you're listening to this, somebody says, I'm good. Like you, if you ask them if they want to drink, just go, all right, cool. We got water too. 
go yeah. to the next thing. Try to skip but over we, it. Even when we've done our podcast before, we've been like, oh, we got this, this, and this. And someone's like, oh, I just want water. Like you almost feel weird. Like, oh. I know. And now we're going to be those people. I know. So how, so. I know. How do we fix, how do we work on that with other people? Like, yeah. don't be that person that's like, well, why don't you want to drink? Just, if someone doesn't want to drink, just. It's let's... not even that person because it's everyone. Literally, I feel like. As a society, yeah, we do so- that. Yeah. It's a societal norm that you have to address the fact that they don't drink because it's up in your goddamn face <laughs> everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Um, so don't, it's not that you're being that person. Just start to th- like recognize that. Think So if you're listening, think about a time when you've asked someone why they're not drinking or why they won't have a shot. And then think. Think about why that matters at all. And then just going forward, try to be conscious of that. Yeah. If you can. That's what I would say. Not so it's not that like, don't be that person. Don't no, be no, a... no. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying because I've done it plenty, plenty yeah. of times. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll have to think about that too. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause now now I wonder like if I'm still gonna think that. Like if somebody else doesn't have a drink, am I going to be like, are they, are they an addict too? Oh, did do they I go need, through Do treatment? I need to do yeah. that? Like, but we hear people that are just like, I just don't drink. Yeah. It's all, so that's just a thing for me to be like, there's, even if I'm on the other end of the spectrum, I'm still, I'm sure I'm still going to have those questions. What's interesting though is like, we just assume everyone drinks, but so like, I don't do methamphetamines. People aren't like, <laughs> really? You don't? I don't yeah. yeah but for drinking it's so it's because it's a socialized societal norm that you know people... but with cigarettes like if somebody asks me for a lighter and I say I don't have one no one ever goes really what? I know <laughs> that's so interesting this is definitely something I'm gonna think about a lot more but I have been thinking a lot like I wonder who's gonna still want to hang out with us and that that you then you really weed through who because when you were in the hospital or when you went to treatment, the people that did know they checked in with me a lot mm-hmm. and a lot of people have completely fallen off. Yeah, but don't catastrophize in that way. No, Because no, it no, doesn't no. necessarily mean that they just, there's just people that don't know how I to guess. And I guess it. I don't know how to talk to people so, when there's serious things going on too. Well, and I would say like, don't. Don't let yourself create a narrative that says, we'll see who's really our friends. No. It's no. more so, um, you know, our. I hope that the people that we care about don't think that they have to walk on eggshells for this stuff. Yeah, I agree. That's, I'm going to try. And this is all shit that I'm saying. It's easy to say. But, and I, it's going to be learning. It's going to be yeah, us both exactly. learning. Yep. 100%. It's it's something that I have to teach myself. It's something yeah. Um, that yeah. That's I was just talking to um, to a friend uh, the other day that like I'm the first addict for a lot of people. Mm. I'm the first person that they are actually close to that's gone through treatment. So it's a oh, that's super weird. So talking about that whole um, uh, like 
somebody <laughs> was at the liquor store when I was talking to them and they were like, I'm sorry, just so you know, I am in a liquor store right now. It's like, I'm not a priest. You don't have to confess your sins to yeah. me. It's okay. Would you tell me if you were in the grocery store? <laughs> Would you tell me if you were at... Yeah, know? I mean, so... But you can't help it because it's yeah, totally new. It. You yeah. don't know... You have no idea what you're supposed to do around <laughs> us people. Like, I don't I don't know how else to say it, but like... Because we were on the opposite end when we were yeah, around yeah. one other person that didn't... Yeah. Um... It was so, so how, how much easier was it to just not talk to them? Yeah. It's not that you were saying, I think that person's shitty or lame or whatever. You just didn't know what to say. I think it's because you you felt uncomfortable. We felt uncomfortable because we were buzzed or intoxicated. And what is, are they thinking less of me because they don't drink? Well, no, that's not the case either. I'm not going to think less of people. But it's, it's so, you're not thinking the other person is not. Yeah, so the buzz yeah. thing, but like, you're not thinking that you, you, any negative connotation towards that person. It's just easier. I know. I've I've not that applies to a bunch of shit. I have not made certain phone calls to people because I go, what if that phone call lasts a half an hour? You're such a jerk. You know what I mean? No, you I do get it. Too. I do too. I know. So it's like, it's. It's a realization that I've had just in the last few days of I like, know. it's not that you're being shitty. You're in your brain. You go, it's just easier if I do something else. If I just don't make the phone call, I still love that person, but it's, you know, I'm still going to love them whether I make the phone call or not. They're going to be fine. And you just, you rationalize and those thoughts are like, in an instant yeah you, you know you think five thousand thoughts in a second and um it's just you're what you're really saying is ah, it's just right now it's just easier if i don't and take a nap instead and take a nap and goddamn naps if you take a nap instead um okay now i think we've filled yeah quite enough time um like i said there's no letter um this episode but I am excited Friends for the next episode because oh. um, that letter, because that, we FaceTime with them oh. and the, that letter is unique to the other letters that you're going to hear. Um, but as always, um, please, you know, if you have any questions, if you have things that you want us to answer, um, and I, I encourage people to ask Kim more questions. I know my shit is like the at the forefront, so it seems easier to come up with questions for that. But think of I like put yourself in those shoes if you have a spouse and what how you would tackle these certain things. See if you've see what you come up with. And uh, feel free to email those in, or you can message them to the Facebook page, which is Duck Duck Gray Duke on Facebook. If you want to email, duckduckgrayduke at gmail.com. If you've got my number, feel free to text, give a call. That's fine too. Um, and if you'd like to be on the show, I w- would encourage more people if you're in recovery and. Um, 
or if you're like the spouse or something, mm-hmm. try to keep it more in that realm. Not that I didn't enjoy that conversation with that individual. I love them dearly, but um, I, w- I want to just make my stance clear in that realm that like okay. abstinence is the only way that I'm going to survive for me. Otherwise, you know, I, I feel like I don't have any hope <laughs> in, that, Dang it. in those regards. Yeah. <clears throat> um, um, and then if you have questions, yeah, if you have any questions for me, but you are unsure if it's something I'd be uncomfortable answering, you can oh, okay. always just, people can just message me on Facebook too. Um, so feel free to message me if you want to, or you can, any of the other platforms, Chris will ask me if it's something I'll talk about which I'm pretty open to talk about anything. I can't talk specifics about my job and stuff like that. So, you know, um, HIPAA and all that. But in relation to my relationship with Chris, our children and all that, I know we people want us, me to talk more about the kids, you know, how oh, yeah. they were affected. So hopefully next episode I can... I know the last one I was kind of all over the place and I might have to just... Because when the camera gets on me, I get a little weird. Yeah, yeah. So I might have to write things down and just... Um, it's nice being able to look at you. It, I, it seems I easier to talk. I know. Like I don't like looking voice. at the camera. <laughs> I know, but I get. It's nice when we're not together. But yeah. it is kind of nice having you once in a while. Yeah. But I will. I I think next episode I'll talk more about um, how it affected the kids. Um, I have some things I have to talk with Chris about before, just in case he does want me to talk about specific stuff. Yeah, there um, are. You won't hear certain things um, from me in terms of my use because, you know, I'm not out of the woods yet. So there's Mm -hmm. um, just some questions that I I won't answer as well. Just depends. Uh, And I don't want to go any deeper than that. (laughs) But there's there's some stuff that, you know, um, even... When people are in recovery, like even though we're doing better and and you start to see the rainbow, like the consequences of your actions can still come back to haunt you and bite you in the ass. So I got to be mindful of that when uh, when we're talking on here. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening and subscribe. To YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, we're on all kinds of platforms that I keep finding out. Every <laughs> week I feel like some new like podcast hosting thing is taking our stuff on. So, um, thank you, and yeah. with that, we will pass. <laughs> <laughs>